This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Hello there, Broncos country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I am your host, Carl Dummler, and with me as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Mr. Nick Kendall, and we have a great guest today, Mr. Eric Trickle, joining us as well, all the way from Alaska. Gentlemen, how are you doing this evening? Let Eric go first, because he's the, uh, the prima donna here, so we got to let him... Let him get the talking early. I am doing quite good. How are you doing, Carl? You know, I'm doing pretty well. It's been kind of a crazy day, but uh, we, we got a lot of snow here again, once again, and it just keeps piling on top of the last snow, but it's been, it's been a good day. Sounds like you guys are getting more snow than we have up here. It's all starting <laughs> to melt already. It's snowing a lot up here in uh, Iowa as well. We had another winter weather advisory, and sounds like we're going to have another one this weekend. Sounds like the temperatures this weekend are going to be absolutely horrible, too. So even though they're getting rained out in Mobile, I'm kind of jealous of everybody down there. I was listening to somebody earlier. They said it's actually pretty chilly down there. It's not 10 degrees chilly. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what we got here. We got We had 50-mile-per-hour winds today and some snow so it's been yeah pretty much you stay indoors yeah not the best you troll around on twitter and live vicariously through everybody else who's down there pretty much that's yeah. pretty much been by my day yeah <laughs> me too also been doing the uh been a part of a mock draft i've both asked both of you guys for your opinions and pulling around pretty nicely so far didn't go quarterback with that first pick got my boy jeffrey simmons but Probably need to start talking my talking ourselves into some quarterbacks. Maybe I know Eric's been giving me a hard time about that, but we'll we'll be getting into that a little bit more. I think in today's first episode. Well, that sounds good, and I want to make sure everyone knows to to find us on Twitter. You can find me at Carl Dumbler MHH, and you can find Nick at Nick Kindle MHH, and of course our guest today, Mr. Eric Trickle. You can find him at Eric Trickle. You can follow the podcast Twitter account at Huddle Up Pod. Make sure you subscribe to our show and leave us a rating, as we love your input on our show. You can find our show on iTunes, Stitcher, and even that of YouTube. Also, make sure you head over to Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of the 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports Digital, to find ours and our co-writers' written articles and all things pertaining to your Denver Broncos. This podcast is powered by Overtime Media. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. 
Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, gentlemen, I mean, we, we've already started talking about it. It's it's Senior Bowl week, and I I honestly look forward more to this week more so than the Super Bowl, other than when the Broncos are in the Super Bowl, of course. But this, I love this week. I love that they are doing drills on the field. You're actually seeing them compete one on one in football drills. It's not just running in your underwear. I I love this week. What about you guys? I just love all the quarterback talk, um, you know, whether it be from the size, the the pressers, the play on the field, everything like that. And I feel like, I mean, it, obviously we don't have Haskins or Kyler Murray there, but this is a pretty good crop of quarterbacks. A lot of these guys are going to be going, I mean, some of these guys are going to go round one, you know, either way. And then a lot of them, I think, too, and I think a fair amount of these guys are going to stick around in the league for a while. Maybe not starters. I don't think it's a top-heavy draft class of quarterback, but I think there's going to be a lot of quality backup types as well that are going to, bounce around the league, maybe get a chance to start down the line. So just just a good amount of quarterback talent for the senior bowl. I always like the under the small school guys that come up and get called up and get a chance to show that they they can play at this level. And there's quite a few of them this year. Some of them I'm really happy for and that are getting called up because they're already starting to show their stuff. And already I'm disagreeing with Nick. The senior bowl quarterback group isn't that good it's a bunch of guys who shouldn't be drafted before the fourth round so <laughs> man even drew lock and daniel jones except for those two <laughs> there we go okay i was gonna say i mean you don't want to break all of the broncos hearts today right off the bat but no it's a great week and i'm very very excited that uh, that it's finally here and of course they started this morning with measurements and I know people wonder why these are important. And, and Eric, how about, I, I know you kind of wrote a little bit of an article on this. How about you kind of explain to our listeners why measurements actually matter? Measurements, depending on what position you play, measurements can determine like what position you actually play. If you're an offensive tackle, you have certain arm length requirements to be an offensive tackle. If not, you're going to get kicked inside and play guard or even center. It's just a matter of the fact of, when you're an offensive tackle, you're dealing with length. And if you don't have the length to match up with them and get your arms and hands on them first, then you're going to have some issues with receivers and quarterbacks. Hand size is very important because it's all a matter of how you can grip the ball. This especially comes into play in bad weather, which I'm going to talk about here a lot more in a little, little bit later, but it's all just different aspects of, of that other with another thing with receivers arm length how much can is that can they extend their catch radius with just their length of their arms and just all those things like that it just it's not the end all be all like some people were taking my tweets this morning to be <laughs> but they definitely do raise some concerns when they don't match up with certain, certain thresholds that teams have right it's one of those things where if something doesn't match up, teams are going back to the film and saying, okay, what, what does this look like? Can this actually work with our NFL team? And I mean, it, like you said, it's not the end all be all, but it still definitely matters. There, there's a reason that teams have these kind of benchmarks and because they, they've seen what, what succeeds, what fails. 
And sometimes size does matter. Yeah. I mean, it's better to be bigger than the guy across from you 99% of the time. So it's not the end all be all, obviously, you know, like you're talking about guys with huge wingspans, if they're not using their hands, right. Blocking, it's not going to make much of a difference. So the difference between a 34 inch and a 36 inch arm length, doesn't really matter that much if they're not using their hands, but it does, it does separate some guys, which I mean, that's, that's why they do the measurements. And focusing on the quarterbacks, because, and again, we'll talk about here in, a, here in a little bit, but one quarterback had hands underneath that threshold. And a lot of people were taking my tweets like, that means he's not good. He is still a really good quarterback. He still has a lot of tools. And one person that constantly was mentioned was Paxton Lynch. And people need to stop. Paxton Lynch had huge hands, but the dude was dumb. Like, he couldn't pick up an NFL offense. He couldn't read defenses. Like, the reasons he failed were not because he had big hands. Yeah. I mean, obviously, duh. I, I just, I don't know. A lot of the, I feel like a lot of Bronco fans, rightfully so, have, I wouldn't call it fatigue from Paxton Lynch, but just a big fear of some of these, these cliches that surround a quarterback like Drew Locke and a one-for-one one comparison. I mean, these, some of these, these concerns are valid, but these one-for-one one comparisons between, oh, Drew Locke, the next Paxton Lynch, I feel like that is just way oversimplifying something. And it, quite frankly, it irritates me. Right. Well, it's, it's, uh, I've heard some people, the whole Jay Cutler comparison that even he looks like Jay Cutler. So that means he's going to be Jay Cutler. <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's easy to see. I mean, you just listen to this guy talk and you can tell personality wise, he's nowhere near what Jay Cutler was. And, and so, I mean, the, you can't sit here and compare one to the other, or you look at some of them compare schools. Oh, he's from Missouri. That must mean that he's going to be the next Blaine Gabbert. And so there's all these crazy, you got to take each player individually and, and make up a decision on what you see, what you don't see. And because they're, they're all individual players. It's not just because one school has had success or failure at one position that they're always all going to fail. I, I, I just, that, that always drives me crazy when I start hearing those kind of things. It's, I mean, it takes two brain cells to come up with that kind of stuff. So <laughs> hopefully our listeners will at least work on three brain cells. That's what we're dealing right. with here on the podcast. We're at least a three brain cell minimum. So that's why we have Eric on here today. Bring us up to four. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which one of us has one, which one of us has two. I think it's probably has one. I used to have three, but it's all that damn IPAs and bourbon. <laughs> it's, just, it's killing me. That corn vodka. It's just, yeah, I can't help it. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, let, let's get, let's get into some of these measurements. Who do you think maybe helped themselves this week that maybe it was a little bit of surprise what measurement they came in? How about Nick? I'll start with you, Nick. Well, for me, one guy that I was kind of interested to get my eyes on and kind of touch on what Eric said earlier, some of these smaller school guys. I didn't get to some of his tapes, some of his clipping until probably two days ago. But Donald Parham from Stenson, I mean, this kid is absolutely gigantic. Uh, I have some people that I talk with that are down at the senior bowl right now. And there was definitely ooh in and ahing when he stepped up to get measured. Uh, six foot eight, uh, seven foot wingspan and 10 inch hands. I mean, this guy has a chance to fill out and probably, I mean, you know, Adam, Adam Shaheen a few years ago was that just huge guy that could probably continue to fill out his frame, big athlete, whatnot. I don't think he's going to go as high as Shaheen did in the draft. Oh, you never know. Maybe he'll run out of this world, but what an absolutely just monster as far as a frame. And I'm really excited. I'm, I'm upset that we won't be able to see, get the tidbits about practice tomorrow because of the weather, but he's a guy that I have circled and he just adds another tight end to this class. That's already just brimming with talent at the position. What about you, Eric? I have two guys that I can really look at. One of them was 
Andre Dillard, this is a guy that I think is definitely going to be rising up. I think he's a guy who has a really good chance of being one of the first few offensive tackles drafted. But a concern was how long are those arms? As I talked about, he's playing tackle. You got to be above that threshold. Now, threshold is 34 inches. And that's exactly what his arms came in. So I'm glad that he came in there because he definitely has the skills to be an offensive tackle. And then Tyre Brady, a receiver from Marshall, this dude is has a ridiculous catch radius, 10-inch hands, He can and he's got good leaping ability, but he adds on to that a 33-and-a-half-inch arm on both sides. Like, that's pretty, that's pretty ridiculous. That's good good length for his arms. So I was definitely happy about where he came in, and he's a guy who's taped that when I've watched him. I've actually really liked what he's, what he's had, so I'm glad he measured in as well as he did. I want to give a shout-out to one more as well before Carl – Gets on here. I want to make sure he doesn't have this guy. No, he doesn't. But uh, Gardner Minshew, he didn't measure out super tall, but I mean, 10 and what was it? 10 and a quarter inch hand length and 220 pounds, despite just under six foot one. That's a solid, thick dude with big hands. And if the Broncos are looking to not, you know, go quarterback round one, or maybe even they want to pull uh, Washington Redskins from a few years ago and go quarterback round one and then take another one in the fourth round, Gardner Minshew is one that I have circled. He's got the big personality. He's made a bunch of different throws in that air raid. You know, he's asked to throw it a lot, you know, Mike Leach system. And I, I'm I'm more intrigued by him by the day. I think he was one that was following some clippings. He doesn't have the big tools, but he seems like a guy that I would be very interested in early day three. All right, all, all good choices. I I had to go with my my K-State boy, Dalton Risner. And and this is uh this is a kid. He grew up as a Broncos fan, so that adds to why he's a good choice. But he was one of those guys that a lot of people thought would be moving inside. And I'm not saying that he won't move inside. But the nice thing for him was he came in with, like you said, that, that lower threshold, that 34-inch arms. And that, that just really adds to his value. He was already known as that versatile player that could play quite a few positions. But now he can really set up. He already said at the Senior Bowl, he thinks that his most natural position is right tackle. And I think with those arms, there's some teams that could really be viewing him that way. And that could mean he's going to go a little bit earlier in the draft. So I think he he at least didn't hurt himself with his measurements. He left the option open of him being able to play tackle instead of completely sealing the door on that, which is just so great. It's the same thing with um, Dillard as to why I brought mentioned him is they left that door open. They have the skill set that they can do it. Now they have the arm length to show that they're, they're they'll be just fine there. Right. Yeah. One well, more guy who, I want to shout out who I think just seeing pictures of him stepping in Montez Sweat. I'm definitely a Jeffrey Simmons truther at defensive tackle, but Montez Sweat is a guy I've gotten a lot of exposure to as well. And while he doesn't have eye-popping tape, I think his senior bowl play today, you know, showing what he was doing there today and the weigh-ins, I think he's pretty safe to say he'll probably end up being a first-round pick. Probably lower after the first round. We'll see how he does uh, measurement-wise, combine-wise, all that stuff. But he's one that I would say is solidified that first-round status because he apparently carried zero fat long arms could scratch his knees standing up kind of dude and was doing well in, in the practices as well. He's a guy who's trying to catch up to these second tier pass rushers behind Nick Bosa with yep. Farrell and polite and all these other guys. He's Alan. just Allen. He's just below them. And he's just trying to get back up there because a couple months ago he was up there with those guys. Yeah. And then his tape kind of fell off a little bit and he fell. So this is a good chance for him to get back up to that level. Absolutely. All right, let, let's switch to the other side then. Maybe some guys that measurement-wise hurt themselves this week. Eric, how about I start with you this time? 
Well, I was going to say Drew Locke because those nine-inch hands, they're not ideal. And for all the people who mentioned, tweeted at me, mentioning Jared Goff, Jared Goff fumbled uh, 12 times this season, by the way. Um, Derek Carr, who Drew Locke has quite a few comparisons to, he fumbled 12 times as well. And then they might also mention Patrick Mahomes. Well, Patrick Mahomes is a quarter inch bigger, which is just right at that threshold. But they were throwing in the rain today, and he answered some concerns there. He was able to deliver some good balls with some good velocity. I mean, accuracy was still an issue, but that's even an issue when the balls aren't wet. So it's not as big of a concern. I think the biggest disappointment, though, was Isaiah Bugs. I wasn't expecting him to be super long, but I was expecting him to be a little bit longer than he is. And this is going to lead to some concerns about where do you actually play him because he's best outside, not an an interior defensive lineman, not in that three-tech or zero-tech or anything like that. He's best as kind of basically that six-seven-tech defensive end in a four-three front, but he doesn't have the length for it now. The lack of length just kind of makes him a tweener. The the length is best suited for the interior, but the skill set isn't. So I was just actually kind of disappointed that he just didn't measure up length-wise. Just watching him in those the playoffs, he was such a clunker. I mean, there's plays that he just looked like he was standing still compared to the others on the field. So yeah, I, I just I'm I'm with you. I don't know exactly what his fit will be with the NFL. He has some decent stats for sure, but is that more just because of the Alabama system, or I, I don't I don't know. But Nick, who, who do you got, buddy? Me, both my guys are smaller school guys on the South team, and they are, you know, Rockison, a guy who measured in smaller both weight and height-wise than Temple had listed him. You know, there was some talk that he was 6'2", 210 pounds, and he came in 5'11", and 190. The arm length isn't terrible, 32 and uh, 3 eighths. And so, so that was a little bit disappointing, you know, hoping to be a little bit bigger mass-wise, maybe a bigger frame. And he also struggled in practices. And then O'Shane Zymanis, I cannot pronounce that last name. I've seen it 10,000 times. The, the edge rusher from Old Dominion, uh, if he's drafted by the Broncos, I'll really have to learn that name. But he also measured in pretty light at uh, 240, and the, the, he was listed as you know 255. So another guy that does he have the explosiveness to warrant being a 240-pound player? I, I'm not sure. So two smaller school guys for me there. Can I just mention Smith and Davis, the linebackers from USC and Auburn? Both of them came in like 20 pounds under what they were listed at. Yeah, them too. <laughs> Not surprising. Nothing will ever be as bad. I mean, maybe sometime it'll be as bad, but like the prime example for me was when Donta Foreman came out of Texas and <laughs> yeah. he was listed as 6'3 or 6'4, 250 pounds at running back. And then when he got to Indianapolis, he was 6'1, 220 or something. Yeah. Like that's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> just, a, just a smidge. Yeah. No, my, my guy, I went with uh, Dennis Daly. This is a guy I, I liked watching him. He's not a, a finished product by any means. He still has some things he needs to work on, but he has some, some good film out there. His game against Clemson was one of my favorites to watch. Uh, over. I, I watched him over this past week and just was like, oh, my gosh, here's a guy that could really climb, climb the board this week. And then his arms came in a little bit short, and I just – I just wonder a little bit of what his versatility is going to be. Are they going to have to kick him inside? Like you said, there's that, that minimum threshold and he didn't meet it. So I just wonder what his position then is going to be in the NFL. And a good point with him too, is that when I watched over him, I didn't really see a skill set that can 
translate to being moved inside. So if they do end up going that route because the arms aren't there, there's definitely going to be a lot of work, in my opinion, to get him ready to play the position. I just don't know if he has enough hog in him to play the middle. You know, it takes a different kind of guy yeah. to take on take on those 320 pounds defensive tackles coming at you in the NFL. No, I'm I'm with you there. So I, I like I said, I just don't know what he's going to have to do here moving forward. But now let's move on to the conversation. I'm sure most of our listeners are very very interested in, and that is, I mean, for the Broncos. Until you solve the quarterback position, that's always going to be the biggest story of the Broncos. And this group right here, is there one of these guys that could actually be the future of the Broncos? Uh, we'll, we'll have to see on that. But I, I guess, is there anything you guys have been hearing or seeing? Let, let's just start with the, the top guy, Drew Locke. What, what have you guys heard about his day today? I heard it was very Drew Locke-like, where he showed off a big arm and quote-unquote improved footwork. But I like, what does that mean outside of game settings this is a scenario where he should look better uh but some inconsistency as far as processing and ball placement so but you know what's new sounds like drew lock how it was put to me was if you want to take a quarterback and figure out who has the strongest arm in terms of not just the physical strength of it but the accuracy drew lock is the best one there he's not Mm -hmm. the most accurate but he's not the strongest He's just the best when you combine those two aspects of it. The footwork, as you said, I mean, they're talking about how improved it was, but this is a situation where it should be looking improved. But what one thing I heard was a lot of people that I, from a lot of people that I spoke with, is his ability to reset. They're having to move around, reset his feet, and make the throw. And he was looking exceptional doing that. And that's something that shows up on his tape quite a bit as well. There were some accuracy and ball placement, ball placement issues, but he did really well throwing it. And those issues... As I said, I mean, it wasn't just because of the rain. They show up on regular tape as well with clear weather. So it looked good. Like, he had a good day. And in the rain, it just makes it a little bit more impressive. I got to ask you, Eric, what do you think about – obviously, the nine-inch hands are a big deal. His, I saw a comparison to his and Goff's fumble rates, and Goff almost averaged – I think it was like almost three-fourths more fumbles per snap uh, than Locke did in the NFL or per dropback. But are you – calmed a little bit about his performance today in the rain with a wet ball and the nine inch hands, or is it still something that's like major red flag to you? Did it, did it kind of steer you one way or the other? It's still a concern, but it's not as big of a concern as it was. And I had, a, I know what stat you're talking about. I can't remember exactly what it was. I had a bunch of people throwing it in my face with Jared Goff and everything, but there's a, it's a whole different animal playing in the NFL. Absolutely. That's where hand size really comes into play. You can get by with it in college. That's why you see a lot of quarterbacks who are coming out with hands that small. You don't see them be successful that often. You don't see them having being able to grip the ball that well in certain situations or when a defensive end is coming around the edge and they're slapping your arm, being able to hold on to it. That's where it becomes a concern. He still eased it, he still eased it with the bad weather, but I'm still going to be concerned about him if he's moving and somebody hits his arm, is he going to be able to hold on to that ball? Because, as I mentioned, different animal on the NFL level. Guys are stronger. Guys are quicker. Yeah. I know this is totally off topic earlier. I should have said this, but can we talk about how small Hunter Renfro is? Five foot ten, seven and three quarters inch hands and 29 inch arms. I heard he was cooking everybody in his route running. Like, that's – he's going to get probably drafted late, but, like, this dude has hands that would – make Donald Trump feel good about him. I shouldn't get political. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> just, that's, that's a low hanging fruit. I can't help it. But like, that's unbelievably tiny. Yeah. Well, he gives us little guys a little bit of hope. Yeah. That's, that's 
Oh man, Carl, every single mock draft you're going to have, aren't you? <laughs> of course. No. I, Andre is no, going to run a 4 2 8. Did you hear him say that today? Yeah, he said he ran a hand time 4 2 6. And he's been training with Randy Moss. 4 2 6? Yep. I, uh, I'll believe I it when I see it. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of those guys that every year we have those guys that say, oh yeah, I'm breaking the record. Oh man, it'll be so easy. And they and run then, a four six. Right, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, some of those hand timed times, it's you, your coaches are giving you a little bit of extra leeway there. But yeah. uh, no, I, I mean he was flying all over the field, so I think that speed is real. I just don't know if it's that real. Yeah, here's the thing with Renfro is if you can't look at him and expect him to be small like that then I don't know what to tell you because, I mean, the hand size is hard to tell from a screen, but he measured in with the height and weight just about where I expected him. I mean, maybe a few pounds lighter, but I wasn't expecting much there. But the hands are going to be an issue because today he already had multiple drops. I mean, his route running was good. It was clean. It was crisp and quick, but he had quite a few drops, like hitting him in the hands, not able to grip the ball, and out it popped. Not good. Yeah, I heard a lot. I heard a lot of the receivers had drops today. Just was yeah. not a not a very clean practice, from what I understand. Starting to catch rockets from Drew Locke. <laughs> there you go. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a sixty-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) All right, well, let's move on to then to the next guy here, Daniel Jones. Uh, the guy from Duke, there's been some talk that he could maybe be the second quarterback taken off the board by some. I've seen mock drafts have him clear as high as Jacksonville at seven. Uh, what did you guys hear about him here today? I actually reached out to former podcast guest uh, Jordan Reed, and he said that Locke was inconsistent, but he was actually more impressed, I guess, coming into it. He didn't have super high expectations with Jones. He knew he was the guy that was going to be in there, but he said that Jones looked really good today in his ball placement and his processing ability and just fitting some balls in the middle part of the field, you know, some slants and whatnot, was the most impressive of any of the quarterbacks there. Jones struggled early on, and he w- he was throwing a pretty decent ball, and it was the ball placement was, was pretty solid. Um, but then he started to get some issues with placing in the right spot. His footwork was looking really sloppy, especially for this kind of situation. But um, one person I was talking to, and I think Benjamin Albright also tweeted out about this, was that when they got to more team on team stuff, as he started to look even better, is his placement was basically almost always spot on. He was making smart, quick reads, going through progressions, all that stuff, just doing it so quickly. The processing speed is unbelievable. And I've heard a bunch of people talk about that this is probably the brightest quarterback there, is that he just takes is off the charts with how bright he is to playing the position and teams are loving that for it. They do have issues with how he presents himself because I don't know if you guys heard he was, his interviews were kind of rough for media people because he's very monotone and uninteresting and talks with the same voice tone and over and over and over and just has no fluctuation of his voice. So it makes it hard to stay interested in him, 
But teams, they're fine with that because he's just bright. He knows what he's talking about. But his and also take a step back. His answers with the media were actually really well. He had a good day, not as good as Drew Locke, not as high low as Drew Locke. There was just a segment there where he was just off, but he bounced back. Yeah. Now, now I'd heard something about that some of his footballs, especially down the field, were just nose diving. That it really showed that lack of arm velocity. Had you guys heard that too? He had a couple of them that did that, yeah, from what I was told. I also heard that Will Greer was really not great. <laughs> well, that's our, our next guy here, Will, Will Greer. Uh, I mean, this is a pretty polarizing quarterback. Some have him really, really high. I've, I've seen some have him as that number two, number three quarterback on their board. And others, I mean, I know none of us are really big fans of this guy. And like I said, I, I, I had heard that he had a pretty – sporadic day and that's putting it nicely what what did you guys hear i heard that his arm angles and footwork is erratic even in drills where there's no pass rush and people want to dog drew lock for that but i think it's just as prevalent if not more so with will greer and that is in a package that has way less tools so guys ready 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 for the hot take of this yes if will greer is in your top 10 quarterbacks please reevaluate Wow. He is just not good, and it showed today. I mean, I can't – one thing that I heard was impressive with him was the ball was coming out pretty hot out of his hands, but that was the only positive. He was scatterballing it all over the field, nowhere near his targets quite often, pretty Josh Allen-like to last year with a few of his throws. The footwork, as you said, was just a complete mess. Unlike with Drew Locke and Daniel Jones, who I heard they were constantly talking to coaches – Will Greer was very kind of on his own, not talking with coaches, not talking with other people on the team, not talking with receivers. He was just kind of off to himself. I heard he rubbed people the wrong way with how when he spoke to them privately. I heard he rubbed them people the wrong way in his uh, press conference. Like, there's just a lot of things about it, but focusing just on the football field, the footwork, as I said, the accuracy, as I said, the throwing motion, the tools aren't there. I mean, having good velocity is fine, but he's not able to make all the throws that are needed. He's very much a middle-of-the-field kind of guy. A lot of people like to hype up a few of throws he made in college, but it's just it's just not great. This guy is Case Keenum, basically, and that's and he really he really shouldn't be in your top ten quarterbacks. I I, I, I firmly believe that. I think there are ten quarterbacks better than him in this draft class. Wow, I remember seeing a lot of mock drafts with the Broncos taking Will Greer in the first round over and over and over again. So I think we should uh, just launch those into the sun. Yes, I I had a fight with somebody the other day because they had had the Broncos taking him in the second round. And I said, that would be my worst nightmare. And they just were like, that's ridiculous. So uh, (laughs) I'm I'm glad to hear some of the others that really agree with me on that of he's just not, not the guy. Yeah, and, uh, I know he put up a lot of stats in college, but that that stats are only go so far when it comes to quarterback evaluation. That's for sure. All right, well, let's move on here. We got got a few more other guys here. Jared Stidham, I heard he had the best practice of the South quarterbacks, which I mean isn't saying much because none of them played all that well. But uh, th- this is kind of an intriguing guy because he's he's shown moments of greatness and then moments of complete what the heck were you doing, kid? So, I mean, anything you guys are hearing from teams about him and his possibility of of where he might go in the draft and what he's showing this week? 
from what I was told is he was looking good on the short to intermediate throws, but anything about right at that 15 yards deeper thing he was struggling with. Uh, he's another guy who really needs to improve the footwork. I mean, most of the guys here, you're going to hear that mentioned is the footwork was really sloppy, but when it got to team stuff, it's, he was looking better. He was making his reads were better, but it was still a lot of, one one or two reads making the throw kind of situations. So I still have concerns about him that I don't, from what I heard is a lot of teams think that he was good, but not the best quarterback on that side of the squad or of the rosters, I would, I guess, but uh, he still had a pretty good day. I mean, they definitely want to see growth as the next few days go on from him though. Yeah. I've heard Jared Sidham looked solid. He, I mean, he throws, he's a prototypical passer. And a lot of people think that Auburn system held him back. And I think if there's any quarterback, I mean, there's there's two different frames of thought with drafting a quarterback, not first round. You're either drafting the safe high floor guy that can come in and you know he's going to be that solid backup type, or you're drafting a guy that you're hoping it's a lottery ticket and either it can blow up and he's out of the league in a bit, or his tools he develops and he can potentially be a starter down the line. And I think Sidham fills the, uh, the latter of those two. So he's a guy that if the Broncos miss out on a quarterback round one, round two, and they're looking for a guy round four, and you're not looking for a backup type. I mean, Minshew's my backup type, but if you're looking for that type with it's a total lotto ticket and he could be out of the NFL in two years, I mean, legitimately, I think Sidham's that guy. And I I would lean on the tools, but I'm, I'm curious to see here how he does in interviews and whatnot because he's a guy, I mean, transferred from Baylor after that program, almost got the death penalty, probably should. Sorry if you're a Baylor fan listening to this. And uh, then struggled at Auburn. So there's some questions there, but yeah, I heard he was – Okay, up and down, but I mean that roster doesn't have super amount of talent at quarterback. All right, well let's let's keep moving here. We got another guy here, uh, Nick. You've already mentioned him a couple times, but Gardner Minshew of Washington State, and I mean this guy. You said it, he's got personality for for days. Yeah. He's he's a. I've heard he's been quite the the clown on the field at times, and uh, he just. Like I said, that that's always that you don't have to worry about that side of things. That he's going to be a lighthearted guy, but but beyond that, what do you guys what have you guys heard about what he's showing this this week? Because I think this is a pretty big week for him. I heard he's been a fun interview, so I, I didn't actually hear that much today about how he practiced. I've heard that he's a guy that he pulls people to him. Is if there's tension, he knows the joke to make to ease that tension. It's something that I heard going back to Washington State. When, and key drives that they needed to make, he knew how to calm everybody down and calm their nerves and just go out there and do their job, basically. As for how he practiced, I heard that he was the best one on that side of it. He was making good reads. His, ar- his arm's not great. He wasn't be able to make all the throws. His accuracy wasn't that great. But he was just the most consistent of the bunch on that side of it. He's a guy like Nick. If I'm taking a guy who's – I need a backup, this is the guy I want. I've had a couple of people compare him that they see, they think that he can have a similar career trajectory as Kirk Cousins, be that backup and might be able to come in and help you win games. But he's not going to be a guy that can come in and lead you to a Super Bowl or on a deep playoff run. He's just that great guy to have around to back up your starter. Hey, man, if he's, if he's got that mag, uh, magnetic personality and pulling guys in, maybe I wouldn't be against doing that Washington Redskins move, you know, taking that double lottery ticket. It's not the worst idea. I mean, it ended up being valuable for the Redskins in the end. So definitely a guy I'm looking into even more so going forward. Right. Well, and it's one of those, I mean, when you can keep your quarterback room that cheap, yeah. a first round quarterback on a rookie contract, and then what fourth round pick 
I mean, the guy's making less than a million dollars a year. Oh my gosh. I mean, the team you can put around those guys to, to make them a Super Bowl contender, that could be something special. It gives you a nice little window of, of success and makes it where even that, that, that first round quarterback doesn't have to carry the team. That's, that's a nice thing to have. Yeah. Basically do what the Eagles did last year. Yeah. Like that's kind of the same situation. I mean, Nick Foles is going to be a little bit more expensive, but they were able to put the key pieces around their two quarterbacks. I mean, obviously they didn't expect Carson Wentz to get hurt, but they were able to have these cost controlled quarterbacks and put the team around them. Like that's not a bad idea. I mean, that's how most of the Super Bowls have been won over the last few years is cost controlled quarterbacks or cheap or quarterbacks on cheaper contracts. Right. Well, even, I mean, I know some people point to the Patriots, but Tom Brady always takes, they work some magic with how they work his cap hit. They always keep pushing that number back a little bit and giving him a lot of signing bonus and upfront money and stuff like that. So it doesn't hurt when you're not the breadwinner. Well, yeah, that's true. When you're, when your wife makes more money than you and you're an all-star, maybe best quarterback to ever play the game kind of quarterback. I mean, that's saying something. Yeah, man. What a, what a a life. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess I know it was just day one at the senior bowl, but what, what are you guys looking forward to as we go throughout the rest of this week? Is there any players or situations that you're kind of looking forward to seeing? Uh, what, what really sticks out? Well, for me, outside of quarterback, I think it's these pass catchers. There's a lot of really unique wide receivers here. Uh, the kid from Ohio State, uh, he had the big touchdown catch from Drew Locke today, and he's a guy that's been standing out early. And these tight ends as well, you know, the guy, uh, Morio from LSU is, you know, he's probably one of the best blocking tight ends in this entire class. And he came in, you know, chiseled, massive, actually did pretty good. And I'm going to come back to this guy, Donald Parham from Stenson. I mean, I'm six foot eight, moving really well down the seam. I mean, he's, he's somebody I'm really intrigued by. And when you see somebody dominating like that, you know, we went to Stenson it's, it's whatever, you know, you got, you got to see it on the field against some, some of these talented guys but apparently he was doing it today as well so that's exciting and I'm, I'm really excited to just keep watching some of these pass catchers because while tight end is doesn't have the top heaviness of the class in 2016 or 2017 excuse me and the wide receiver doesn't really have a, a Julio Jones AJ Green kind of top of the draft or Mike Evans Odell Beckham Sammy Watkins type of the top of the draft I think that the depth this season at tight end and wide receiver is outstanding and I'm really, this is, I mean, a lot of these guys are here today or here in Mobile competing. So I'm really excited about a lot of these pass catchers. I was thinking, some people have asked me what kind of, what kind of offensive system the Broncos are going to run. And from what I understand, there's a lot of the, the highlights of the, the Boise State football, that that's a lot of what Scangarello loves to run. And so I went back and watched some of that and it's, Part of what makes that offensive system run is having a variety of different offensive weapons, so you can mix in different kinds of uh, scheme fits. And you know, a one play you're you're running in two tight ends. The next one you have three or four wide receivers. At times you have two running backs in the backfield. When you have that kind of versatility, it just makes teams have to, to really game plan for a lot of a lot of things. And so for the Broncos, I mean, this could be a big draft to get some unique skill sets to add to the offensive system. What about you, Eric? Terry McLaurin was the receiver that you're thinking of from Ohio, Ohio there State. There it is. That almost dropped that lock touchdown pass, by the way. Yeah, and that pass couldn't have been prettier if he handed it to him. 
yeah, it was a great pass. Anyways, as for guys I'm looking forward to, I'm actually really bummed. They moved practice indoors next for tomorrow. I understand why. It's supposed to be pouring and thunderstorms and player safety. That always comes first. I hope that they can do some wet ball drills, though, because I want to see more of Locke holding, gripping these wet balls with his tiny hands. Wow. Let's just rewind <laughs> real quick. That, that whole sentence was going to be, I'm going to snip that out, and that's going to be like my text tone, my <laughs> ringtone. When I walk down the aisle, that's going to be what's played on loop. Like I just, that. I just, uh, I hear an old grandma listening to this going, that was pornographic. <laughs> Wow. Okay, totally continue. unintentional, by the way. <laughs> yeah, just, I just want to see him grip those wet balls with small hands. Like, um, thank God the video is off on this because I did not want to see what you looked like when you said that. Let's just let's just move it right along. I just I could, could not not mention that. I, I could even sense Carl laughing in the background. Oh yeah, that's, a, that's like Mr. Clean Pastor back there. Okay, so, so watch out. It's not over from talking about lock and moving practices indoors. No, it's okay. It's, no. It happened. Yeah. Okay. The other two, other few guys I want to keep an eye out on is Terrell Hanks. Can't school just totally slipped my mind right now, but he plays linebacker and he has been intense. Somebody needs to tell this guy to take it easy. He was constantly putting heavy hits on offensive players, but he looks good in coverage. He looks smooth. He looks clean, which is something that I'm actually really excited to see. I want to say he's from Fresno State, but I don't think that's right. New Mexico State. New Mexico State. Yes. And uh, he's a guy that I've had mentioned to me a couple times by scouts leading up to the senior bowl. And I got quite a few texts. they talking about how good this kid is looking. And uh, it wasn't just in coverage that he was looking good. He was looking good when he was coming down and running assignments. And then Rennell Wren and uh, Byron Cowart from Arizona and Maryland. These are two guys. Wren, he has a sh- amazing first step. I do know that notice that there is some issues sometimes of how good of his first step is often tends to take him out of the play. And there were some times when like the one-on-one or two-on-one drills that they had today, that if it was depending on the play, it, he could have been taking himself out of the play. So you want to see more control from there and keeping himself in a position to make a play. And then Coward, he's a guy who not many people are talking about, but he's a guy who he's going to be able to come in and be part of a rotation on a defensive line and make an impact, I think, from day one. Wasn't he the number one overall recruit in the country coming out of high school? Yes, he was for Auburn. Yes, he was. Yep. Okay. I thought so. Yep. Name sounded familiar. Yep. Just uh, injuries really hurt him those first couple of years. Never really got going and then transferred to Maryland and just never quite lived up to the hype. He started showing a few signs this last year at Maryland from watching him. And he's one of those guys. I, I had him in my recent article about the senior bowl and just one of those guys that I'm really intrigued to watch just because, I mean, you do see the tools. And you see the size. What what did he measure in at? Over 290? Yeah. It was like 298, I think. It was what it was. Just under 300. And just I I heard he was very chiseled in that kind of weight. So, I mean, just again, a guy that if you get him with the right coaches, and I keep imagining Bill Kolar with both these guys, you get them under control. You get them to, to put that great athleticism to actual putting in technique and understanding of the football game. Oh my goodness! The, I mean, the sky's the limit for those two. Yep, not wrong. All right, well, that's going to wrap up this week's, well, this episode of Building the Broncos. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl and Eric Trickle also on Twitter at Eric Trickle. That's a hard one to remember sometimes. I didn't do anything wrong there, Eric. So just I didn't put anything inappropriate in there, Mister. 
And you can follow myself also at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you head on over to Mile High Huddle and affiliated 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports Digital to find more coverage on the Denver Broncos. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and comment. Your support can help us continue to bring you our Denver Bronco deep dives. You can follow the Building the Broncos podcast and all our other great audio content by subscribing to us on the Huddle Up podcast on iTunes, Android, users, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter, at Mile Huddle and at Huddle Up. At Maha Huddle and at BTB Football Pod. For Carl Dummler and Eric Trickle, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of Building the Broncos. We hope you can see it and we'll see you soon. Go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.